So before we get started, I want to thank everybody for adapting to the new podcast release schedule. As I mentioned before, I'm trying to be more current with my podcasts, and one of the ways to do that is to record and release when things are ready. But a couple of them were already in the can, including this one with Tim Kennedy, which I recorded a couple weeks ago. And just a few short weeks ago, the quarantine and COVID-19 were on the forefront of our minds. And now, obviously, there's what some would say even larger issues that are on our mind. And so I want to thank you guys for bearing with me in that. I'm in California right now recording a bunch of podcasts, and we'll get those out and released as quickly as possible. But today we have Tim Kennedy, and he is an absolute legend. He's a Delta Force sniper. He was a top-ranked UFC middleweight. He was on the show where he was trying to find where Hitler went on television. He was also in the show Hard to Kill, in which they were trying to blow him up and explode him in every way possible, and Tim just relished it and loved it. He's one of the most unique individuals I've ever met, one of the sweetest people I've ever met, despite having the moniker of potentially the world's most dangerous man. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast, and I'm sending you all the love to wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We just got clapped in. <laughs> I've had the clap before, so yeah. Well, who hasn't? No, I don't think you're trying hard None enough. of my friends. <laughs> if you haven't got the clap at least once, yeah. you're just not trying hard enough. Yeah, and you can't be in my inner circle because you don't know. <laughs> you, you don't gotta, know life. Like, what do we have to connect on at not that Not very point? much. Yeah. Well, you know, from here forward, no more clap for me. I just told you I'm, I'm engaged. I, disbelief initially. Right. You know, like the phases when you when something extraordinary happens, like you try to normalize it. <laughs> you know, you look at it and through like your lens, how can this be rational? And then the sex thing, you, the second thing you do is you deny it. But <laughs> I went through both of those phases initially when you told me I was like, okay, rational. How how can this be true? Second, okay, it's not true. Check. I'm going to deny it. Is this it. April first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> <Is this> a- <laughs> holy no, crap! It's not. We're That's somewhere incredible, though. Thanks, man. I'm like so pumped to see you suffer. <laughs> You're like, Listen, I'm not, man, I've been pre-suffering. I know. I'm, I'm good. I got this. Like, I love training with Juan and Andrew mm-hmm. and cause like, I love them as friends, but I like watching them suffer. It's mm. so, like people I like. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I uh, just like, yeah. I'm with let, you. let me see the pain in your eyes yeah. deep down yeah. inside. I like it too. When like someone's trying to quit drinking, it makes me want to drink in front of them even uh-huh. more. Yep. And just be like, mm, this mm-hmm. wine is good. Yes, it is. <laughs> It's just, it's helpful. Test their resolve. Yeah. I think that's what a good friend does. Yeah. I, I maybe, think, maybe not. No, it def- absolutely is. Um, like I work out with Dakota, a couple of t- Dakota Myers, Medal of Honor recipient uh-huh. dude, pretty incredible guy, Brandon and Shane. And um, like, there's a known dark place where I can see their like conscious mind has now turned off. Like they're, they're not even humans anymore. They're essentially just ogres doing whatever the prescribed painful thing is. And I am not satisfied until I see them reach that point. <laughs> like this does not count for a workout until I know that I have killed a portion of your soul. <laughs> then we can, then we can move on. That's part of your whole framework. It's part of your whole attitude is you want to try and push yourself to fail as fast and as regularly as possible. Like what is that fail point? What's the point yep. where things start to shut down and yep. shut off? Yeah, I think it, it it gives you two incredible things. One is it makes you learn who you are. You know, um, like I, we're in a time, a, whether it's a generational divide or like a cult, cultural thing where people don't really want to do hard things. Like they like easy life. They like things 
information available at their fingers. They don't want to do the research and go to a library. They just want to Google it. And let me tell you, the information you get from a Google is not real information. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, there's a process and sometimes a painful process associated with success. So that's the first thing is like, you get to learn about yourself. Second is whatever that failure point was, it moves. So the next time you're like, holy bat balls, <laughs> I can run a little bit faster than I could last time. Right. You know, like what was a six minute mile is now a 558. You know, like, mm-hmm. first of all, you'd never know that six minute mile unless you suffered to, to like an almost indescribable way. Yep. Cause when you, you are a hairy ogre, half troll that was mated with a velociraptor. <laughs> it's essentially what I am. Like a six minute mile is not very attainable. Um, I don't even have that excuse and a six minute <laughs> mile is not attainable. But then it's like, oh wait, did I just kill a 558? Yes, I did. So the army makes you run a two mile for a time every year. And, um, and to max it, I have to run like a 630 minute mile for both miles for both miles. And, uh, so the only way you get faster at running, um, you run shorter distances for faster and then that starts stretching out. So I'm in that phase of hating the army. So you're taking the test again. You don't get an yeah. exemption. No, you don't get like. What? I mean, come on, man. Like, you're, like gonna, oh, you're Tim Kennedy. That's yeah, not how the army fine. works. That's not how it works. No, no. They actually just get mad at me everything because, because <laughs> I am who I am, and they're like, ah, we'll just it's the hair. We'll make everything worse for you. It's the hair. Yeah, they give you the hair though. They're like, we're not going to fuck with this haircut. No, this is just COVID hair. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing from the coronavirus that I recognize and acknowledge changed was my haircut. <laughs> Everything else stayed the same. I still don't own a mask. All my businesses are still open. I still work out every single day. I still shoot every single week. I still hang out with all my friends. Um, my pool is still open for business. Um, yeah. Yeah. But well, my hair got long. I mean, part of this is just you've what you've been talking about. You've not only tra- pushed yourself to the limit physically, but you've pushed yourself to the limit as far as your response to fear you know yeah. like you've pushed against pretty much every fear that you've been aware of that you could push against you've pushed against it yeah so i mean so much of the reaction here of course there's a virus but so much of the reaction is based in fear like 90 i mean there's a virus right right like the flu um and it is a not very bad one thank god you know because i think it exposed a lot about our system and our medical system and our sure. economic system that i think we should maybe take a pause and be like all right we are a little bit more fragile than we thought we were mm-hmm. um businesses like ours thrived in this environment because we're like virtually based fitness based um, solution based preparedness based you know like yep. both on it and and my stuff are like all albeit like dynamically different there are things that people need when things like this happen ultimately about self-sovereignty you know taking control of your own destiny but 95 percent of this bullshit was bullshit panic breeds panic fear breeds fear and that's all that happened is like every single you turn on the tv it's like oh let me tell you about what's happening in this super dense populated area of new york and you're like wait i just came back from montana and there's like not a case in the whole entire state you know, and I'm like hanging out with my friends, cleaning an animal and we're like having coffee in the morning and, you know, boiling water that we pulled from the stream and things are pretty cool. Wait, what is happening right now? There's a, there's a pen of what? Yeah. You know, crazy. Um, yeah. yeah. Have you encountered that? I mean, obviously in the positions you've been in, you can see this kind of herd mentality yeah. where people get afraid, people get freaked out or people yep. get aggressive and then it just breeds more of the same. Yep. Have you encountered that like in the field and other Absolutely. situations? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I tell this story a bunch of times. Uh, in Afghanistan in 2008, I was in a sniper observation position and uh, it's, it's actually like a nightmare that I have that I, that I 
saw in real life because you know like that dream where you can't move fast and something bad's happening but you can't do anything about it do you still have those dreams yeah yeah for sure well i stopped having them which probably means i've grown (laughs) to just be soft as fuck i I don't the the dream i have is actually one that i witnessed and that's the dream i have like i don't have uh i don't have like i'm stuck you don't have the one where you're just punching someone and it doesn't matter yeah no. or you're like stabbing someone your knife disappears like one of those stage things i used to have those all the time no, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't like Or you're shooting dreams. and your bullets just dive into the ground. And you're like, what is yeah, wrong with no. this gun? That would stress no? me out. The yeah, they, they fucking sucked. I'm yeah. glad I don't have those anymore. So this village in Afghanistan, I'm up on this mountain and I watch a bunch of asshole Taliban dudes walk into a village, rape and murder pretty much everybody in it. And I just sat there and watched. There's nothing I could do. I wasn't allowed to do anything. Um, uh, we were just trying to like PID people in that specific group. PID, what's that mean? Uh, positive, positively identify who was in that group. So this was like a recce element. I'm taking pictures of them and yep. sending them back to figure out who's who in the zoo. Fast Not your specialty. No, I don't like that. You're, you're that better. Is bad for what? <laughs> you're, you're better pulling a trigger. Yeah. Yeah. So then we go six, six weeks forward. Almost, I mean, like same size village, same kind of geographic uh, topography of the landscape, like similarly eerie how similar it was between these two villages. Insert a bunch of kind of helpless people. And here comes another group of Taliban again. And I'm like, Jeez. awesome. This is gonna be so fantastic. I get to watch, you know, like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever like through a lens, watched another dude rape and kill people, but it's like, it's a horrible thing that takes- I, I think, think it's gotta be the worst thing I could, yeah, I could ever imagine. Total helplessness. But then I watched an 80 year old man, grandpa, who had, I had watched him be playing with his kids, take a muzzle-loading musket from, I'm guessing, the late 1800s, you know, 1860, 1870, jams that musket, goes out and fires one round at the incoming Taliban group. They spread out like this is the scariest thing ever. Then a couple of other villagers start like hooting and hollering and they grab a couple of things. I think there's only one gun in that whole village, which is this one. Another dude comes out, helps him clean this, I don't even know if they're really shooting like a ball at these guys, but they're just shooting. This group of about eight Taliban turn around and run. Whoa. What would have been complete murder, like Viking savagery in front of me yet again. It took one person to demonstrate a little bit of courage and it changed the tide of what was going to happen in that entire village. Now flip the side to the Taliban, bunch of bullies, right? Mm. True cowards. But one person was like, oh, somebody's got a gun. And then that person was like, oh no, maybe they're all armed. And then somebody else is like, holy crap, we're all going to die. And they all run. But it was, it was a contagious fear mm. that yep. what was magnified and spread more contagious than any virus. Because fear is a, this emotion that is more contagious than, than AIDS, anything. than COVID, than anything. Spreads through words, spreads through emotions, Every spreads imaginable. through feeling. You just feel it when somebody else is afraid. Yeah. Like I could drag my, my, my mouth on, on the handle of the door to this room and I'm not <laughs> going to get COVID, right? But mm-hmm. like somebody comes in here and plants a seed of fear via any medium, telephone, yeah. social media, the mainstream media, Donald Trump, you know, Biden, it doesn't matter. And then that seed is planted and it grows and it's in fertile soil because everybody else around you and suburban moms are turning on their TV being like, oh, everybody's dying. You know, we're gonna have one and a half million deaths. Want, want, everybody's fine. Let's yeah. get back to work. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting. And then even saying that, you know, there's people listening to this right now. And I just encourage anybody who's listening to this and felt that bristle, you know, because people want to protect their fear too. Yeah. Like just, all right, 
listen to it maybe look around and cause your own you know allow yourself to just kind of settle down because the only way to navigate in fear is just calm yourself a little yeah. bit and not fucking freak out and yeah. just says, let's look at that let's just observe it observe yourself observe everybody observe it my five-year-old um was feed off my teenage daughters and it's cool i i don't know why for like a teenage girl to be scared of snakes and spiders i don't know why but i guess it's acceptable mm -hmm. um I think sp snakes and spiders are cute and like <laughs> they serve a very important purpose. So like my son would feed off of their fear being like, ah, spider, freak out, freak out. And I'm like, I'm sorry, young man. I'm gonna have to scuff you up here for a second. Let's talk about the difference between rational and irrational fear. Like what is scary about this garden snake here? He's like, it's a snake. I'm like, go on. That's not scary. <laughs> like that eats right. bugs. Right. You know, like that serves a super significant purpose. That also, that little king snake right there, that eats rattlesnakes. You're like yeah. the one snake in our whole entire area that is bad. That is a good snake because that snake goes and eats baby rattlesnakes. Do you want that snake? He's like, yeah, that's a good, is that a good snake? I'm like, yeah, that's a good snake. Oh, so that's the difference? So a little bit of rational, logical approach to fear changed his like this paradigm shift of like, okay, now I can't freak out like a 16-year-old girl. I'm going to just respond rationally to fear. You know, and courage is, is like, there's nobody that is fearless that is courageous. Yeah. You can't be. You can't be. Courage is action in the face of fear. Exactly. And if you don't have fear, then you're a zombie. And yeah. that's cool because uh, that'd be awesome if there were zombies. <laughs> but um, <laughs> is that you just can it's overcome It's like that it. free solo guy. They actually yeah. studied his brain and he has something weird with his amygdala where he doesn't have a normal fear response. Yeah. You're like, how does he do it? Well, it's his brain's a little different yeah. but that didn't happen his brain shit was shaped yeah 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 and that's even more cool yeah that he just shut that thing off do your hands sweat when you watch that movie i mean a lots of things sweat yeah <laughs> like everything sweats i was on when he goes for the soccer kick as his only way to survive you're like oh all and right like dripping palm sweat and the, like uh thank god the, the middle seat was open um because i was like it started with palm sweat and then it was pit sweat and then it was like forehead sweat and then i just didn't want to make eye contact with anybody on the plane and i'm just like having an anxiety attack and then watching other this. people are getting scared yeah. watching you be scared They're like this Shit, guy's gonna take down the plane. this plane oh what so what is it what is it obviously you were watching that movie you're putting yourself in that position and that's a normal response because there's literal physical danger there i mean it's yeah. a very good chance he could fall off that mountain El cap um what for you though like still where are the seeds of fear still within yourself when you like look at the garden of your own psyche? Like, where do you still find fear seeds? Man, I look, I, I actually actively look for, so fear things for me are areas that I don't, I can't master. Mm. And so in shooting, grappling, fighting, like athletic stuff, academics, like yep. I'm, I'm kind of a freak in those categories, you know? So like, Yes, I could stay in like the academic world or the entrepreneurial world or like the shooting world and the fighting world and, and look like a super stud all the time. Well, there's no growth there, right? Like I'm not like besides adding more recognition to an already stupid resume of things that I've accomplished. In I've those seen fields. your deviousness and, and heard about it <laughs> yeah. where you'll get people in bad positions and just grin yeah. and smile because yeah. of the torture you're inflicting. Yeah. Once again, going back to inflicted torture to voluntary people. But there's no fear. No. Just fun. So yeah, just fun. So I have to find, um, so like I just started flying helicopters and I'm, you know, like three quarters of the way through getting my helicopter's license 
for the sole reason of I spent so much time on the skids of a helicopter. Uh, so like sitting on the side of a helicopter, yeah. you know, doing, dealing death from the side of a helicopter, but never thought about what it was like to be in the pilot seat. Um, and, and actually a number of times being like, I'm so thankful I'm not in that seat because I would feel so vulnerable there. Yeah. You know, like I don't have a gun. I'm not in control of my destiny. Right. You know, like I have like the amount of things that affect somebody while they're flying are too numerous to list, you know, from humidity to the temperature, to your power, to like oil pressure, hydraulic pressure, um, your altitude, like, like every like manifold pressure, how much weight you have on the, in the helicopter, you like just goes on and on and on and on. Um, so I was like, that scares me. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to do that then. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then let me find the next thing that I, I hunted with rifles for a really long time because it was so easy. Yeah. And I still hunt with rifle when I'm, when I'm going to get food. Yeah. Um, it's efficient. It's a super efficient, <laughs> but then it's like, okay, everybody knows I'm a pretty talented hunter. I guide people on hunts. You know, I take veterans on hunts. Um, why don't I do things that are hard? Bear hands. Yeah. <laughs> a bear with bear hands. Um, Again, just to like find a way to make it harder for me to find a way to not have total confidence that I couldn't do it. Because mm -hmm. if you know you can do it, then why do it? Right. I hope you guys are enjoying the show so far. I want to talk to you about my latest sponsor, Vincero Watches. Now, the guys behind today's sponsor, Vincero, great example of entrepreneurs. They really found their passion and went all in on creating some really dope watches that are super affordable. And of course, I'm a little bit skeptical when someone's going to send me some kind of product that I'm going to wear. I have to try it out and see if I'm actually going to use it. And the watches I got were awesome. Like it's really interesting, you know, expensive watches, you think that there's some magic put in or it's has something to do with the metal they have or whatever, but really it's just a lot of markup that's based on brand. And these watches are phenomenal as high quality as any of the watches that I have. And I really enjoy wearing them. They're light, they're professional, they look dope. So I hope you guys check it out. Right now they're having a big sale. It's 20% off your entire order. So you just go to Vincero Watches. That's V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches.com slash Aubrey and you'll get the 20% off. And I really think you guys are gonna enjoy these 21,000 five-star reviews and I see why. The watches are dope. So once again, vincerowatches.com slash Aubrey. That's still like an external orientation towards these things that are externally scary that contain some element of danger, some element of of challenge. Do you see any things in your psyche, like fear of your freedom being being limited or fear of, you know, something else happening that like do you can you find anything? I mean, obviously you've had to confront your fear of mortality, your own death probably innumerable times having a family, those probably some issues. Like when you talk about just psychological fear, like where can you find dark spots still? Yeah, things that are out of my control. Yeah. Uh, frustrate and 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 irritate i don't know you know freedom freedoms are big is a big one for me because like i've sacrificed a lot and i've had friends that have died and you know, memorial day obviously just passed and um sitting down trying to write the name of all my friends that died and i was and i was like halfway through and i couldn't remember 90 percent of them hmm. and uh and i was like that's super sad and pathetic yeah. um 
and uh, then the next, and then I'd see somebody else do theirs. I'm like, oh man, I missed that one, or I missed this one, I missed that one. Like that was my partner in sniper school. Like mm. how do I forget his name? And um, so like, there's a lot of cost for freedom. So then when I look at, you know, obviously Corona, um, people so willingly give up freedom for a little bit of security and a little bit of like, I don't even know what it is. Cause if you're going to get it, you're going to get it. Yeah. Like there's no amount of protection that the government is going to provide by you locking yourself in full body condom. Yeah. Like that's not, <laughs> there was a movie where like a guy was in a bubble is the whole entire movie. Bubble boy. Yeah. Horrible movie. Horrible movie. Yeah, yeah. The whole, the whole takeaway from that movie was like, don't be in the bubble. <laughs> yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. Just slinging, like live. slinging dick and ripping lines. Yeah. Like whatever you got to do. I'm with you, man. So that fear, that fear is real. Yeah. Your love of life being greater than your fear of death. I think that's, you yeah. know, that's the way that we're here to live, you know, for sure. So what happens then? All right. Imagine, imagine this hypothetical scenario. And I'm in no way saying that this is a reality or anything, but imagine the hypothetical scenario, which some people are talking about mandatory microchips that are getting tracked and that's that that passes and it's like all right in order to go to school be in the military uh fly a you know com travel commercial airlines or have a driver's license you have to get microchip what what happens to you internally at that point like what do you feel yeah that's freak out freak out mode for me that's freak out mode <laughs> yeah um i'm like libertarian mm -hmm. pretty like leave me alone um I li i'll leave live freely and my freedoms won't negatively affect anybody else's yeah you know and i want everybody else to live the same way as sure. long as their exercising of freedoms don't negatively affect me um and that's like about where the rules end right like we have a speed limit because it's unsafe to drive faster than that that's the only reason the speed limit's there not because the government wants to get money from us like that's the reason or the reason that it should be there is to to provide uh governance over mm -hmm. people and like i pay taxes property taxes so there's a school and there's roads not so that you can go you know like pad your account and build a mansion in san francisco um but at the point where the government's like your kid can't go to the school that you're paying for unless we surgically implant a microchip so that we know where they go and what they do and how they interact with other people and who they're interacting with that's um that's like a hard pass for me yeah and, uh, you know, I don't know if it's like throw tea in the harbor type thing and like go revolution, but for me and a lot of my friends, it's tickling that itch at least, oh, right? Yeah. It's an interesting thing. And, and let's, you know, I believe that if they tried to pass it, they would be vastly underestimating the resistance that would come because there's a lot of people who don't want that level of control. Yeah. That's very, it's a, a slip and slide into an Orwellian future that we really have to be mindful of because those chips aren't just going to be utilized for virus management. No, it's know, data. It's data. And that data is a violation of, of what? Of everything. Of everything. Yeah, yeah. Fundamentally. But the argument would be for the people who are pro-chip is like, well, you say you don't want to hurt people. You're a libertarian, but you taking this unnecessary risk is exposing people to the virus and therefore you are hurting people. So this is for the greater good. Yeah. And they'll make that argument till they're blue in the face. Yeah. I, I hope they choke to death <laughs> while they're blue in the face. Um, you, you, you can never move forward from position of fear and you can never try to respond and find a solution um, when you fear the impossible result. So if the cure costs more 
than the disease, why take the cure? Right. And th there's no doubt in my mind, and I think you can see it throughout history, that this type of cure has been implemented countless times mm -hmm. uh, where it's like, let's track groups of people. Let's like through assimilation group people together. Um, let's have them all live in a very specific area. Let's actually wall that specific area. Let's make them wear a star on their chest so they don't leave that area unless we allow them to. Then actually let's, let's put a number on that star so we know which ones are important and which ones aren't. Let's take that group that is living in a specific area with the walls, with the star, with the number, and now let's put them on a train with a bag. Okay, now let's take them from this train. They don't need their bag anymore and separate them from their family. And then actually, fuck it. Let's just gas them. Yeah, yeah. we're- Horrific. It yeah. happened. That, that, not, not, not that happened, that has happened countless yeah. times. You know, from, from Stalin to Mao to Hitler, like Hitler was not an anomaly and that had happened mm. hundreds of times before him there was with a, a pretty much same pattern. Yeah. And anytime a government gets ultimate control and ultimate power, ultimate corruption goes along with it. If you can give me an example where that wasn't the case, like I'll eat my hat and, <laughs> you know, and give up my freedoms. It's, but such, until a, that it's point, such a weird motivation though, because it's like, it becomes unfat. Like, why do you want to fuck with people like this? Like, what is wrong with you? Power. But why? But does it does it get you laid? Like, are you having trouble? Are you having trouble in the bedroom? Do you need a new fucking a new fucking quad? Or like, what are you looking for yeah. here? Like, what's the what's the point? I I don't know. Um, like, power is. It's like a drug. It is, and it, it's like a drug more than heroin or meth or, like, it is the most I think addictive thing because when you see people that get it, like they never get off it. Like, how how many people can you see that? were in positions of incredible power and they're like, all right, you know, Bill Gates, like I'm done being super powerful. I was the CEO of this incredible billion dollar company. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and step back now. Oh, no. It's like, uh, I'm going to step back, but guess what? I now have the cure for Corona <laughs> or guess what? I also came up with this chip. Like, Hey asshole, you already a billionaire. Like you're yeah. not helping anybody. You're not protecting anybody. Now you're just being an extra asshole. <laughs> so how about you just get rid of that power and let people live? I don't know. I have no idea. No, no opinion about Bill Gates. Really? It's a, there's some questions though. And I was talking yesterday. I was at, I was out at dinner and it would be funny if he was like Kaiser Soze, you know, like he has his glasses yeah. and his sweater. But as soon as he's out in private, he just rips off his thing and rubs off his skin and he's got full Yakuza tattoos yeah. and he's just flexed and just strong. His glasses have no prescription at all. He just casts them aside. He's got perfect vision. He's just fucking Kaiser Soze. I would like a Bill Gates Kaiser Soze more than I would like a Bill Gates, I think. Yeah. Yeah. We at least have some common ground. <laughs> you saw that version of Bill Gates. You're like, oh, uh, oh. I, I like this version I, more. I like you, man. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's it's interesting to think. And and for me, you know, it's I'm doing my best to point to the, you know, point to the ways that we can come together, like mm. the things, the positive things that we can bring out of this. But you start looking at this. There's a certain point where you go from just pointing to the positive and talking about even the moderate position now is also scathing. You know, like I say something like, well, look, this is gonna cost minimum $3 trillion and for $400 billion, we could end dirty water for the whole world, which is killing the, world. the whole world yeah. and end world hunger. That's estimates from the World Bank that that's what it would cost, 250 billion with some like upkeep every year. 
for ending world hunger and putting in infrastructure and about 100 to 150 billion for clean water for the whole world and that's like one twelfth of what we're spending already and i'm like maybe we should just look at that yeah i don't know just take a look at like that yeah. but, there, but there's people, no moderate in any of these debates that's the that's a big issue is like we just can't even we just can't even voice that opinion because then it's like you just killed my grandma i'm like no 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 i was just talking about clean water for the yeah. whole world and the kids that are dying from e coli poisoning because their water is mixed with their sewage yeah um i i, I actually i'm gonna step back and say that there is no moderate that's not true i think like the 98 percent of the population are reasonable moderates but the one percent on either side are so loud and like so yeah. viscerally horrible um you know that's like abuse the karen thing but you got karens on both sides right <laughs> like you have the bearded american body where our army wearing dude that's going to walk into the michigan state capitol and like you know threaten congress or governors like that's an asshole yeah. right? and then you have like the far weirdo opposite end of that where somebody's like wearing a triple layer mask their hair is painted orange and they're mad at you because i drive a ford truck you know and and, and like everything about what and that's I, actually literal they might be mad at me because you drive a ford yeah. truck and we do a podcast yeah. together and that's the funny shit i'll have a podcast guest on like jordan peterson and they'll be like how could you i was like uh, it was a fucking amazing conversation. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, I don't know why you're mad at me right now. Do, do you follow a variety of people on like social media or do you stay in a bubble? I, I mean, I don't really follow many other people than my friends, honestly. Okay. I try, like tw Twitter is the one that I try to have the most diverse mm -hmm. amount of information that comes in, yep. you know? So like um, I follow Ocasio-Cortez and I follow Rush Limbaugh or Den Crenshaw and um, Omar Elon. Like mm -hmm. they could not be more opposite. Yep. Um, but like this group over here on the right will see that I'm following this group over here on the left and they get super pissed off at me. And this group on the left will look at my followers and see that I'm following these people on the right and they get super pissed off at me. And I was like, what, what, is, what is happening right now? <laughs> like literally this, these two groups of people that are on the opposite ends are mad at me for like wanting to get the most direct information from opposing points of view. Yeah. Insanity. It's like this misplaced sense of tribalism, right? Like people have this tribal identity around their group. And if they look up to somebody and that person does anything that looks like it might be violating those tribe principles, then they're like, oh, fuck that guy. Yeah. And it's like, uh-uh. Like, but they're, they're projected. They're not real principles. No. Because that individual is looking at me and making assumptions about who or what Always. I am or who or what I believe. And none of those things are true unless you've sat down with me and had a cup of coffee on a shooting <laughs> range while we're carving an animal. Yeah. Like you don't know me. Yeah. You know, like we are not, you You and like the five layers of transparency to knowing a person, you're like layer, not even one. Like five is my friend and my wife and and like, you know me. Like four is emotional. Like you you like you have a pretty good clue you've seen me suffer and but everything above that like you don't know me yeah you know and like don't don't project your pain and pain in your ass on me just leave me out of it you, you take your issues somewhere else and that's that that's i think the biggest thing that i'm pointing to in this the thing that scares the shit out of me the most you want to talk about what i'm most afraid yeah, of because yeah. i'm most afraid of these apps that are starting to proliferate where people can rat on each other where it's like turning turning the population against the population and i'm like oh no no please don't go there everybody because that's the worst because we have to really pull together as team fucking people here that's really the only yeah. way we're going to make any progress and if 
you're looking around and you don't know which one is going to fucking phone you in on their app yeah. and like try and collect some $20 reward because you're not masked up in the right fucking place or maybe you just hugged somebody out in the street and like that's fucking scary to me you know like yeah. the population turning against the population is one of the most terrifying kind of uh, dominoes down this dark dark path i i can't think of a reasonable rational reason while some why somebody would want to do that besides they're a bad person <laughs> like can you like or do you do, have, have has your like view of self-importance where you think that you are a better contributing member of society because you can go and rat on a fellow person is a good thing that's the thing it's this kind of like it's this sense of virtue and this sense of hierarchy the ego loves to be better than somebody you know so if if you can put somebody below you then based on the hierarchy that your ego says if that person's below you well you're above them so as many people as you can shove underneath your boots, you know, that makes India you feel better. Was this 1700? Right. Like that, that's what this is. Yeah. Like this is a, like down to the, the lowest. The ego loves caste systems. We're the, trying to create them all the time. Come on. Come on. <laughs> <sighs> I kind of like it though um, <laughs> because I actually had some people in, not my inner circle, but like my sphere of influence where in the past four months, um, I'm like, Ah, uh, I see your true colors. You know, <laughs> true. I I got you. You know, you you, you had it hidden well, and uh -huh. uh, and I bought into it. But now, your virtual signaling sheepish behavior is just like everyone else, and in your hateful words, like immediately turn in negative on every opportunity, whatever microphone that you get in front of, or every time that you tweet. You know, it's like even like some people that I I thought I had respect for, and I was like. I mean, you're doing the same thing that they are, just the opposite end of it. Yeah. Yeah. So we're like, cool, later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the virtue of going into a super hard workout, like you mentioned, or a situation in battle, like, or any, for me, it's been more in these intense psychedelic journeys, my six days in isolation and darkness and silence, you know, and no just, thanks. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so there's multiple ways. And we talked about this on our last podcast, the difference of the ways that we choose our discomfort, right? Yeah. You choose like, a much different version of discomfort mine's a lot more internally focused i mean sometimes i'm in the heat or and sees different things but or the cold but well it's not a little i know you get after it and you turn yeah, into a stab into a gym <laughs> so like true. and, and you, workouts you, are the trying one to slip some people in there like <laughs> workouts I'm not... are one of the common one of the common grounds we have but nonetheless but we still do that and when you go through any of that with anybody there's this kind of brotherhood or sisterhood that forms where you're yeah. like oh i've seen you in the shit yeah like i've seen you when that dose was way higher than we thought because that happened to me and there was you know 12 of my homies we were all out in Sedona and we thought we were taking a certain dose of mushrooms but the strain was like three times as strong as we thought it was going to be and it was way more than is responsible to take at this point <laughs> and so we watched and and the people who were able to kind of deal with it and obviously there's love for everybody but they're the camaraderie that formed from the people who were able to handle this surprisingly large stressor and the people who weren't, he was like, okay, you, oh, you made it. <laughs> you yeah. made it. Okay. You didn't make it. We still love you though. Yeah. You know, like you get it next time, yeah. you know, but nonetheless, like there was this real sense of, we just stepped into some shit accidentally. It was an ambush of, of potency of, <laughs> yeah. this, of this medicine. And, and then from there you get to really see somebody and see them in a dra dramatically different way. And that's a beautiful thing yeah. ultimately. Yeah. Um, 
Like if you had a little Jew, Jew girl hiding behind a, a fake wall, which one of your friends are going to call the SS and, and say that she's back there? It makes my Jewish heritage tickle when you but use that example. But that's where we're at, right? That's it. Yeah. Like we, we try to normalize it and deny where we are in, the, in, in time, space, and history. But like you are literally ratting on people for doing very normal things, like mm-hmm. trying to live. Yeah. And if you are doing those things, you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. I don't care what your, like your reason is or you think your reason is. You're an asshole. Like you're not saving anybody's grandma. You're just being an asshole. One of my favorite things that happens out in the wild with people is when there's a cop set up in like an obvious speed trap, like where the the speed limit, which should be 40 for one section, goes down to 30. God, I hate those. And then they're just waiting right there behind uh-huh. a group of trees. And when there's the cop there, you'll see somebody flash their lights, mm-hmm. like let you know, like, hey, man, hey, bro, there's a speed trap down there. And I'm like, fuck yeah. yeah. Thank you, random yep. sir. Yep. Like, I appreciate that. And good I'll, soul. I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll do that. And that's what, that's what like we need. We need yep. us to like band together, not be like, not be like them phoning in like, hey, I have a pedestrian radar and I noticed there's a- There's a car speeding. There's a gray Tesla that's coming down. I'll be at you in about ETA two minutes. Yeah, you make sure wanna, you give them a <laughs> ticket. Yeah, exactly. The parking lot of a supermarket. So where does, a sup- where, where does your buggy go? Your shopping cart. Like in the little receptacle. Yep. Or back at the front. Those are like the two appropriate places. No, on a hill so it'll careen down. Yeah, that's a great place. <laughs> um, so- in, in the idea of America, which is based on the individual having individual responsibility to do things, like the whole entire idea of this beautiful republic is that the individual is a self-sufficient contributing member of society. And if that's not the case, then this idea is a very difficult thing to pull off, um, where if the individual is depending on everyone else, or more importantly, depending on the government for them to be able to survive, then we have a problem in what the idea of America looks like. Um, so one of the best little micro examples of individual responsibility is in the parking lot of a supermarket. Like who takes that shopping cart and goes and puts it back and who, Mm -hmm. and takes it back to the front. You have essentially three different categories Four, you have the person that brings it to the very front of the store in the ideal place. So nobody has to go out and get it. Great group of people. You have the second group, which goes and puts it in, in kind of like the containers that make sure they don't slip away. Then you have the asshole that goes and leaves it behind the car and they move forward and just leave it in the parking lot, or they put it on like the side of a hill or up on the curb. Um, so there's not enough room to negotiate through the parking lot or it comes off and it rolls down and hits a van. And then the fourth and last group is like my kids or me, where it's like, Hey, can I take, take your cart for you and bring it back up to the front as I'm walking mm-hmm. my cart back to the front. Like you get to see right there in front of you. Um, are you, is that the person that's going to flash the lights right at the traffic circle or at the, at the speed trap? Or is it that person that's going to call the SS to come in and get the Nazi or the Nazis to come in and get the Jew and the hiding in the closet? Yeah. And the thing is these things like extreme examples, but it's these small behaviors, which then lead as you said it's kind of a march it's like these small behaviors then exacerbated then exacerbated and then more anger and then more fear and then more this compounds 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 over time and it's just what it just means is you're heading in the wrong direction so it's a good idea to course correct and if you're not willing to do that maybe you haven't thought about it maybe you secretly hate people and you need to really work on that maybe okay i'm sorry some people hurt you you know but those were specific people it's not 
everybody. And I think people make that mistake a lot. Like one specific person hurts you and you're like, fuck people. Yeah. Or like a girl leaves you and they're like, fuck women. Like, no, maybe fuck her or fuck him. But like, that's just a person. Yeah. It's not people. Don't generalize based on the specific. So I am a consummate snacker. I'm always looking for the next great best snack. So I love shopping around all the different places, ordering snacks from different websites and different places, anywhere I can get my hand on snacks that I really love. And finally, I was like, you know what? I need to create some snacks that I really want that are going to be something that I'm going to reach for in my own pantry. So we got together with the food scientists at Onnit and created the Protein Power Puffs. And we're launching our first flavor, the Supreme Pizza. And they're awesome. They're made with milk protein isolates. They're gluten-free, keto-friendly, low-carb, high-protein, none of the bullshit like the artificial colors and flavors. And they taste like little Supreme Pizza bites. So imagine like puffs that you would have in any other kind of I don't know, traditional snack that makes a puff, but just really high quality ingredients, really good macronutrients, and dope, craveable flavor. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Give it a try and see what we came up with. And we're going to be looking to come out with more innovative snacks, more things that we think can make an impact in the market and also impact in your body, in your fridge, in your closet, in your pantry, wherever you put your snacks, in that little drawer by your desk. <laughs> Everybody knows the person who has the snacks in their drawer. <laughs> and for the moral people, they ask. But for other people, they just kind of reach in the drawer and grab a snack or two when you're at the office. But I think you guys are going to love these. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey. And as always, you'll save 10% on everything, including the protein power puffs. And, and people have been so... In, in, in the past decade, becoming more and more isolated because you're able to curate what your community looks like, you know, from who Twitter, I, I'm only going to follow people that agree with me. So now I'm in a vacuum, like a fake vacuum of not real information coming from multiple sources. I'm just getting the information that supports my view of the way that things should be like community. That's where maturity and wisdom comes from, which is a collective group of people interacting like that's how society progresses is we're like, oh, this didn't work or this did work. Like the collective wisdom of like in gaming, yep. it is, you know, they try to build puzzles and models that are, that are, that are impossible to be solved and they keep applying it to like the, the collective gamer and the collective mm -hmm. gamer is like, hey, we can break or beat anything that you come up with, you know, yeah. coding, um, a new video game um, because the, the collective wisdom is so incredible. Yep. Like the only thing that comes out of isolation like it's the fucking Unabomber. Yeah. You know, like the, I, I can't think of a single thing coming from isolation that is good. Yeah, especially when it's not chosen for the right reasons. Sure, people can isolate for their own spiritual practice or go 40 days in the desert and kind of reckon with your own shit. Like that can be productive. You're choosing it and you're willingly going out in nature and fucking putting up a tent and like figuring shit out. Yeah. Great. But when it's like imposed or it's based in fear or you're scared or all of these other reasons, then it's just going to compound all of the negative effects because you're just going to be there stewing with whatever problem cause got you in that spot in the first place, whether it's somebody imposing their will improperly on you or whether you're just so fucking scared that really you need to go outside and learn the difference between the garden snakes and the rattlesnakes and actually get over your fear. Well, even the points of a sabbatical, like whether it be in a journeyman of a career or academic, like the point of that sabbatical is to go away for something, whether like forced isolation or whatever, so that you can come back 
to the community as a developed growth grown person, yeah. like more wisdom, um, a new perspective. Cause like, if you're just looking through the, the exact same lens, every time that you look at a problem, you're never going to be able to grow or find a different solution. So it's what it forces you to do is go and get a different lens, but ultimately to come back to us, rational, logical, normal people that just want to live like not with, like, I'm not going to live with a mask for a single day of my life. Not, not forever. Like there is no new normal. <laughs> like my kids are not going to go to their graduation, um, you know, from college with masks on their face. Like that's not going to happen. I don't mm -hmm. care. Like we'll, we'll find a place where, where, where we can educate reasonably and rationally. Cause yeah. like if that virtual signaling it, to me that I see a mask, I'm like, like if you have a family member that has cancer or a uh, severe diabetic, got it. Cool. That's amazing that you're looking out for them and protecting them. Um, if you're yelling at me about not having a mask, like I have an eight month old baby that like, that like weighs more than him, mm. you know, <laughs> like, like we are f like freakishly health. Like we haven't had a, a kid sick in my household ever. I that's mean, in, that's incredible ever. Like they eat, you know, the dogs come inside on the kitchen floor and, and like the dog's playing with the toy and the baby's mad that the dog got it's toy. So then it takes the toy and of course puts it in, in its mouth, you know? And like, <laughs> like those are the normal germs that happen in my family. You know, yeah. it's like my five-year-old, like I had to go and, and, and kill that deer a couple of days ago, you know, and he's out there with me, like cleaning it and, and gutting it and, and quartering it. And, and, um, like imagine the bacteria that was just like, we're in the dirt. We're going to eat this meat, you know? Like, yeah it was eating off of our property. It's literally eating like the stuff that we live in and grow on, mm -hmm. um, to the chickens that we get eggs from every single day. Like, th like these are, and in the past, I'm going to guess 15 years. I can't remember them getting sick. That's epic. Do we need to wear a mask? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to say no, you know, but yeah. if one of the, if one of those kids had cancer. Yeah. Some like, immune compromise. Yeah. Things condition. are going to change in my household. Of course. Right. Like there's going to be barricades and, and like sanitization stations. And like, you're going to have to step into a little bubble and like, I'm going to spray you off with bleach and, mm. and like, I'll maybe even make you drink some. And I, don't know, <laughs> I don't know what we're going to do, but it is going to be so excessive to try to protect mine. Of like, that's how it works. Of course. Individual responsibility. Yeah. And I think that's, uh, that's a big one. You know, us just having the freedom to choose, choose what we choose. And I think the, the big issue is just now because of the fear about the about the virality of this people think that if you're not wearing a mask you just you just killed a member of my family and they'll they'll make that leap in their head but really there's just that's certainly not what appears to be the case now maybe back in the spanish flu or back in something else where we actually could see the results and these you know a third of the world's population got off like all right, there's conditions where may where we may have a radically different opinion. Like yeah. we may be doing a podcast, me and you, in a different situation, masked up, talking Absolutely. about like, damn, well, COVID 2020 was was you know really rough for the world, but compared to this thing, it was yeah. chill. But now we're wearing masks, and yeah, I mean, imagine if AIDS had the ability to be transferred. You know, our like when it got to Austin, it was like R3. Right now it's R1. It's like for every one person that gets it, they're able to transfer it to X number of people. Um, you know, AIDS is like 0. 0.000 something. Um, in the 80s, it was like 0. 0.00 something. But imagine if that was like three. 
Yeah. Like, we're having a different conversation. Yeah. Right. We're, we're for sure not having butt sex. No. <laughs> no. Like, that's off. That's off yeah. the table. Or you like you sneeze <laughs> on this table and it's going to live here on this table for six weeks. And if I put my hand on it and then rub my eyes, then yeah. I'm going to have it. You know, like that. Like we're we're going to be living differently. We're in a different. We're in a different environment. I no. think that's the thing people who haven't put themselves in challenging situations and also haven't dealt with any fear of their own mortality this new thing the unknown is fucking terrifying and the only response to the unknown is just like all right check it out you know like let's look and just look at all the statistics look at all you the facts you have to take the fear out of it don't yeah you can't the whole, this whole like imaginary example that we just created we're both rationally logically being like okay well what would we do in this like okay aids now can be transferred via air airborne transmission like, obviously we're going to change things up but if if we're like oh my god that is so horrific we're all going to die like you know the seven billion of us we're going to have a 500,000 or 500 million of us in like overnight um but we're going to base all of our decisions and all of our actions off of the fear of the unknown that is way different than being like all right what are we going to do yeah rationally reasonably Give us some, give me some examples. You've been in obviously some really tough places and you kind of did it with the, with the people living in that village that could get raided and attacked by the Taliban, right? This is a situation that happened in war all the time where people are at extreme risk of some violence just popping up in a cloud of dust and a couple Humvees, which is how it goes now. But for a different time, it could be the Viking ship that's coming to a peaceful, sleepy, cheese making you know seaside yep. village it could be any variety of different things where it's like fuck you know this is like this was just a different world and they still managed to be happy have you been able to like see go to war-torn places and see like the resilience and happiness of people who are just deciding like fuck it we're gonna dance we're gonna like hug our kids we're gonna play soccer we're gonna have fun yep um a couple of cool varieties from the firefighter police officer or soldier i think that's like one category where they at any moment you know, the, the police officer gets the 911 call, domestic violence call, and he has to go there. Who knows what that's going to be? That might be a guy with a gun that just shot his wife and now wants to die. And he's going to try to commit suicide via cop. Um, but he might have to shoot a cop on the way. Mm -hmm. like, you know, that's just where it is. Um, like, can that guy still live with joy? And I grew up in a household with a, with a father um, that lived that every single day to the most extreme imaginable because he, by choice, it was always going for these like mm -hmm. very dangerous things, you know, fighting cartels. Apple doesn't war. Far, fall, yeah. fall far from the tree, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the firefighter, like, I got to get on this roof. I got to cut a ventilation hole. I don't know if the, the roof is secure. Like, am I going to fall through and burn alive? Like, that sounds pretty horrible. Mm -hmm. um, to, to the soldier that is driving down the road, you know, on like a forced presence patrol and he doesn't know if there's an ID on the road. Um, I argue that there's more joy and happiness in that vehicle, listening to that, that soldier with a can of chew in his mouth, making some fart joke to the driver while the captain's telling him both to shut up or he's going to make him do push-ups to the next place. Mm -hmm. And the guy up on the top, like he took one of those bobblehead dolls and he like glued it to the top of his M2 machine gun and his team sergeant, it keeps yelling at him because like, hey, that's not, you're not supposed to do that. He's like, but it's really cool. Look, it bobbles. <laughs> and when I shoot, this is what happens. Like imagine like the bobblehead dolls, like as you're like, that'd be epic. Um, you know, to like, what is the point of living along the coast where yeah, you could be 
raided by Vikings and you could go live in a really crappy, horrible valley that like has no water and you have to walk five miles to go get it. Or you could assume a little bit of risk. Uh, you see where we're going here? Mm -hmm. Dangerous freedom versus peaceful slavery. You know, you're going to have to knowingly, like fully self-aware, eyes wide open, make the choice that I'm going to assume a little bit of risk so I can live a fuller life. Yeah. I'm always going to choose dangerous freedom over peaceful slavery. Like always. Because I have seen peaceful slavery and it fucking sucks. No. Hard pass. Yeah. No. Like go live in Venezuela for two weeks and come talk to me about it. And that's your example of peaceful slavery, huh? Oh, no. Just... No. One, one of uh, living under the Taliban. Living under the Akali. Uh, uh, yeah. Living under, oh my God. Iraq 2005, 2006. Go mm, live under Zarqawi, under Al-Qaeda. You know, like you didn't, he didn't like what you're doing. He would take your oldest son, drill his hands to the wall, like drill, screw, till his hands were to the wall. Then he would have his enforcers rape that oldest son in front of them before he killed them in front of the whole family. Zarqawi, 2006. And it didn't just start there, right? Like it took a while for them to get there. You know, like ISIS, 2008 to 2015. You know, like they didn't immediately were like, ah, we get to do all these horrific things to people. Like there's a nice gradual progression to Hitler. It wasn't in 1941. I'm going to go gas all these people. It was in 1935, isolating groups, desensitizing people to who they were, you know, and then ultimately we end up here. But like, it wasn't X, Y. They started at A and then figured out how to get to Z. Yeah. So now. No, hard pass. Yeah. Give me that dangerous freedom. I like that. It tastes good. <laughs> and the suffering makes you appreciate it more. Sure. Sure. You know, like- Yeah, it's like the scene from The Matrix 3. You ever watch Matrix 3? I'm sure I have. Okay, so there's a scene where all the all the bots and all the, all the kind of machines are coming and they're drilling down into this, I think they called it Zion or they called it someplace, their little paradise place. And they just decide to throw a rave. It's like one of the last times that they have to celebrate. And it's just a dope scene where they're playing drums and people are dancing and having sex. And it's like, we might get fucking blasted by the machines. So how are we going to go out? Cowering yeah. in fear in our own room? Or are we just going to fucking blow the roof off this thing and have some fun and yeah. like celebrate what it is to be human? And at certain points, you know, all right, I understand, you know, when we don't know things, we have to make some decision. We're still figuring shit out. But at a certain point, we have to say, fuck it. I'm going to go out as a human and I'm going to go out being a human to the ultimate degree that it's possible to be a human. And if that means, you know, something happens, that means something happens, but I'm going to take that fucking chance. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's not going to be tough decisions under dangerous, dangerous freedom. You know, the, the question is, is the combined accumulation of these two lives which one is more enriching and fulfilling? Like where somebody is telling me how to live or I'm assuming the risk and I'm going to live how I want. Like one, there's an automatic mitigated risk. The other one is I have to mitigate the risk. And I'm pretty sure I can mitigate risk a little bit better than some bureaucrat in some place that's living in some plush hotel and going and getting wined and dined by every single lobbyist can tell me how to mitigate risk yeah you know that guy can go <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about your sense of purpose because you've been a very purpose-driven individual and you're still doing some of the same things you were but not as many active duty assignments 
these days as there used to be. How have you seen your purpose shift from younger Tim Kennedy to who you are now? And how do you see it shifting in the future? Um, so like Hammer, Warhammer, Tim Kennedy was like, I'm, I'm the doer of good. I'm going to pull the trigger to end evil. And, um, and, and I'm like pretty decent at that to where we are now is I think I can positively help more people be able to, so like, let's say God put me on this planet to save and protect human life, all life, Muslim life, Christian life, Jew life. You're like, I don't care. Black, brown, white, lesbian, gay, straight. Team fucking people. Don't care. Here to protect it. And as there was a a place where I did that as an EMT firefighter and then wanting to go to the FBI and that's where I was going in grad school when 9-11 happened. And I was like, all right, now I got to go find these people that do this thing where they go fly in planes and buildings and take 3,000 people out at one time. You know, not some Ted Bundy, Rex Krebs killing, you know, five, six, 10, 20 women. Like this is like 3,000 in a single go. Like that's a new kind of evil. I got to figure out how to stop. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, Okay, now now there's this new evil where like people just walk into schools and shoot people, or they go into gay nightclubs and murder people, or they go to Christmas parties and murder people, or they hop in a car and run down Las Vegas or London Bridge, or that's a new kind of thing. I gotta figure out how to stop that. Like the the motivation has always been kind of the same. But now my human uh, trafficking too, another yeah. thing that you've gotten involved in. Yeah, counting drugs, counter poaching, all these like human trafficking is a is a huge thing that we're working on right now because it's um just, I mean, that is, that is the manifestation of evil of our species, like in, in a very business enterprise way. We're like, okay, how do I, if I was just going to boil it down to fucking asshole, gotcha. But the progression is, and I can't be everywhere and I can't, you know, like I would love to be at like the Pulse nightclub when some asshole walks in there and is like, I'm going to shoot all you gay guys because I don't like gay guys, you know? And I'm like, huh. I'm whatever about gay people. You know, they live however they want, but sure. I, but you're an asshole. <laughs> I'm going to have to kill you, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I'm not going to be in Florida at some weird random nightclub, you know? But like yeah. I could possibly train or motivate somebody that will be. And that's where I'm at right now. Mm. Is like, I'm trying to magnify a message of dangerous freedom, individual responsibility, and getting people owning who they are. Like anybody that has spent any time with me when Corona happened and people are freaking out about toilet paper and if they can get food or if there's going to be water supplies, like they weren't any of my friends because all my friends and all, and all the people that have ever come to our courses are like, oh yeah, we, we've already prepared for all this stuff. <laughs> like literally. Yeah. They weren't waiting in line at the gun store. No, no, <laughs> like, no, they were not. They're like, shit, shit. You, could you imagine, you know, Shane or, or Rob or Dakota being like, hey, do we have enough ammo? You know, I literally gave ammo away to people that were freaking out. Yeah. You know, like I traded people. Um, I was like, hey, you, you got some of that gold? <laughs> I'll, I'll trade you ammo for gold, but here's the, here's the cool Tim Kennedy rate. <laughs> wah, wah. Yeah. Gold won't load in a gun very well. No, it will not. It's splatter. No. The fucking yeah. Spider-Man. But when you got gold p- when you got pallets of it sitting in your garage, then there's uh-huh. you get you got plenty of ammo. Yeah, that's uh, and that's I think that's a beautiful progression. Then you go from you know the active doer of things to the teacher of those who can be the actor of active doer of things. Yeah. I think as we transition in our life, that's something a little bit more natural. 
that happens where at a certain point we realize to to be at scale we have to teach others yeah and then empower others to whether that's the spread of a you know spread of an idea like you know conscious ideas or ideas of loving humanity or whether that's actually protecting humanity or whatever that gift of service because the the definition of purpose is something personally meaningful that also benefits the greater good right and so well it's personally meaningful to do the thing but it's also personally meaningful to teach the thing that you care about being done and then allow that to scale and then empower the people who you teach to teach other people and then it becomes this exponential thing yeah 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 like the, uh, so then where do we where do i go from here um you like i'm still in like a like i don't can't measure i don't know how to measure like growth of an idea or a spread of an idea but like we are absolutely in a j curve of not being able to keep up with the not interest like the demand of these ideas like i do not own these ideas right like dangerous sure. freedom is not like that's tim kennedy <laughs> trademarked you know, yeah <laughs> thomas jefferson was not like hey you know like this is my yeah. idea I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and you know ben franklin or george washington is not yeah. like hey like he literally they were like this is for everyone mm. and this is for everyone to have um i think your protection and your right to live your life the way that you want to live it is like not a monopoly by anything or anyone um, you know, Disney doesn't get to tell you, Apple doesn't get to tell you, and sure as hell, a politician doesn't get to tell you. Mm -hmm. um, so as the, it's a great problem, the problem of more people wanting the, how to understand and how to, because there's a lot of work that goes along with these ideas. It's not like, okay, you have to take your own family's security and protection upon yourself. Boom, cool, got it you magically poof and you're a protector. That's not how that works, yeah. right? Like you have to learn how to fight. You have to learn how to shoot. You have to learn how to, you know, like maybe in some instances how to hunt and how to clean mm -hmm. and how to sanitize water and how to convert um, solar energy into like through an inverter to usable energy, whether that's like a battery wall or like, like, all, like all the different things that go in. Like that's a lot of work and sure. studying and, and understanding. Um, so it, like takes a lot sure and i don't have me as an individual so i'm like to your words i'm, I'm actually literally scaling to meet demand for the for people wanting these ideas yeah you know and then um i understand my time costs money uh, but i don't i can't charge money for these ideas and i'm not going to like you you get these ideas for free um but then like if you want to come shoot with me and learn how to shoot better um that's my time sure you know like you need to know how to protect your family that's you. However you learn how to do it, if you want to come and I'll help you with that, happily. Um, and that that's where that fine balance of, okay, I also don't want to be a, a fear-mongering, you know, like, I told you you should have been prepared. Now Corona comes. If you would have listened to me, like you had been freaking out about toilet paper. If you would have bought my $5,000 course, yeah. <laughs> you would have yeah, been, be been fine. Look at that. All the water you want. All the toilet paper you want. <laughs> Thanks to Tim Kennedy. Yeah. You know, an well, the one thing that it seems hard to train, and, and we got to wrap up here in a minute, but one thing that seems hard to train is there's a natural inclination for most people to freeze when something shitty, like scary happens, yep. right? So, but how do you train the ability to move through that scary thing and actually not freeze and respond? Suffer. Suffer. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like... At no point without pain and hard work and suffering will you ever overcome that. 
Like you ask why I go to black when I work out or when I go to the shooting range and I make it the worst. Like I think people look at going to the range as this like hobby fun moment where like, ah, oh, you know, like you're in air conditioning or like you're hanging out with your friends for some idiots, maybe even cracking open a beer, you know, like for me, it's like, okay, how do I make this a horrific experience? So that if these circumstances are ever duplicated, replicated in, in real life. My hands are bleedy, bleeding. I'm sweating profusely. There's sand in my face. I'm like raw underneath my, 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 uh, my armpits from sand getting stuck up there against my body armor as I've been running for the past hour and a half. Um, like that seems really normal. Like when all of that pain um, and suffering feels normal, anything is easy. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's it. That makes sense. So go find some hard shit, people. That's it. Find, find some, some hard, hard shit. shit. And yeah. then find the hard shit and then stuff that everybody else says is hard is not going to look so hard anymore. And if it's if it's easy or if you're doing it out of fear, do something else. Yeah. Get still for a second. Reckon with your fear. Yeah. Look at it and then go at it. Like we have all these cures for, you know, the things to do for the immune system. Great. But like, let's do something for the emotional system too let's make yeah. sure we're having some fear hygiene yeah. as well as well like yeah. let's go out there and get the vitamin d and the zinc and whatever you need for your fear yeah. which is not have not any supplement or anything like that it's exposing yourself to it if exposure been, and response was it like, like there's a trending thing it was like netflix and corona or corona and netflix or covid and netflix <laughs> like you were literally locked inside watching a bunch of flashing lights in your face for six weeks and then you think you're going to go make a rational decision <laughs> no no you're going to be depressed you're going to be sad you're going to be scared you're going to be angered go walk go get some sun go yeah. make love go sweat go suffer and everything is easy amen amen beautiful man yeah. good to see you brother i'm excited thanks everybody peace thanks for tuning in to tim kennedy and i i hope you guys enjoyed the podcast and we'll be coming out with some podcasts in the coming weeks that'll be talking about the current events as they are now who knows what the hell's going to happen in the next few weeks so i can't promise if the aliens land that i'll have a podcast ready to go that day i'm not quite that fast yet but i'm working on it so i love you guys and appreciate you so much thanks to everybody who i meet out in the streets and out in the stores and everywhere who gives their appreciation for the podcast and uh just know that you're appreciated as well and um i'm wishing you all the best